Hi, you're listening to Tales from the Jungle, Living with Addiction. This is a podcast written and produced by a mom of an addict, specifically for other families who live with and or interact with an addicted family member. This episode discusses my experiences with what enabling behavior is and isn't. This term may be one of the most misunderstood in the addiction world. My aim is to talk about how I went from misunderstanding that one word and all the destruction that went with it to a gradual recognition of how to spot it in myself and others. Hi, welcome back to Tales from the Jungle. If you're a parent of a loved one who's addicted, then more likely than not, you've been accused of being an enabler. This was actually a very difficult episode for me to complete. The word is a trigger for me and brings up so many arguments between myself and Casey and my husband and myself. There were just so many emotions attached to this. I'd been accused of enabling for so long uh, by so many different people. And I had to figure out what that word meant and how it applied to me and when it was true true, and when it was not. So I had to do a lot of self-reflection. And this episode is a result of that reflection and what I've discovered about myself. It's very different for different people. And so uh, this is what I've found for me. Maybe some of it will be helpful in your own self-reflection to be able to tell what works for you and what doesn't. Enabling is usually uh, what people do um, when they don't intend to cause harm. They always have, it usually comes from a desire to help. And I can spot it in others in seconds, but in myself, Sometimes I can't spot it at all. I mean, it's a difficult situation to understand in yourself because you've got so many emotions behind all of it. There's a lot underneath the surface that goes on with enabling. And there's some blatant kinds of enabling. Some of the things that people do are are, they give them cash. They clean up their messes. Like if someone stole, if an addict stole a credit card, Sometimes an enabler will pay off that credit card either for themselves or for someone else they stole it from. If an addict wrecks a car, they'll replace the car. If an addict goes to jail, they bail them out. Those, many times those are pretty cut and dried. You can tell every time, most of the time, if someone's an addict in their addiction, those are things that are enabling behaviors. It just usually is, is, that's pretty blatant. Uh, One of the things I have found for myself and that I've seen from a lot of experts saying is that you never, ever, ever give an addict cash. They, They can tell you they haven't eaten for a week. They just need to go get a meal. There's no other way to get them the money other than give them cash. And if you believe it, I don't care if they haven't eaten for a week. They're going to go buy drugs with it. That's their number one priority, and that's what they're going to do. They will not use it for whatever they said they were going to use it for, and there's no way to 
double check that. Usually they'll even come up with receipts and all kinds of things to show you, look, see, yes, I used it the way I said. They'll find receipts on the ground. They'll do whatever they need to do. But you need to be clear. Giving cash is the worst thing you can do for your addict. Uh, Rehab facilities talk about empowering an addict instead of enabling. And um, I use an analogy. There's There's an old saying about giving a person fish to eat for a day or teaching them to fish to eat to, to, so that they can fish for a lifetime. But for me, if you give an addict a fish, he's going to use it to use. He's going to go out and find, sell it to buy drugs. If you teach them how to fish, how to get a job, how to do what they need to do on their own, then they can use it to get clean and use it for a lifetime. Healthline.com defines the term enabler as someone whose behavior allows a loved one to continue self-destructive patterns of behavior. And it becomes a slippery slope on what is allowing a loved one to continue destructive behavior. It's, I mean... Are you allowing an addict to continue their behavior by paying their rent? Well, if you paying their rent frees up money that they have, that they've earned to pay that rent, now they can use it to go buy drugs, then that's enabling. But there's a lot of different ways that cannot be enabling. There's ways that, depending on where they are in the cycle, how much are they manipulating you? How... What does it look like? Are they in the road on recovery? Have they done the things they needed to do to try and get better? And what put them in the situation of needing rent money? Um, There's so many things that come into play when you're looking at what are you doing and what does it look like? Because the exact same behavior um, that is enabling can be helpful behavior if they're in another part of the cycle, if they're in another if they've broken the cycle and they're trying to find their way out of it, it may be the last ray of hope that they needed in order to take that step. But you can't go there first. I mean, I don't mean to preach. This is about me. I can't go there first. The first thing I have to do is say, if I do this, is it enabling? What does that look like? I have to always assume that whatever I do is going to be enabling and then take it back from there. If I do this, what is the desired outcome? What does it look like? And how does it keep them from wanting to go back into their cycle of using? I found that the more desperate that she became, the more she would manipulate me and the more she'd make me believe that she needed help. And that help was enabling help. It wasn't a resource type help. And I had to really look at that because she was so good and so many addicts are at being helpless and saying they don't know how, they don't know what they're doing, they need you to show them because if you leave them alone, they're going to die. And that's such a manipulation because they are so much stronger. But it's also uh, this dance that we play because... I fed into the idea that I had to do it for her, that um, I believed her when she told me that she wasn't able to do it herself, but I also made her believe she couldn't do it herself by my doing it. 
And so it's, was it the chicken or the egg? Who, where did that start? And does it really matter? All that matters is that I need to recognize what I'm doing. I cannot control what decision she makes from there. I can change what I do. And part of what I do is telling her that I'm going to require more of her and that she's got to find a job on her own. She's got to uh, make these decisions on her own, find a place to live, all of that. And, And part of what she needed to do was was look at her own life and how she is playing helpless and so where where does that take us i mean helping them with resources is they were told that it's giving them tools helping them to access resources uh that are out there for them and teaching them skills but that can all be turned into manipulation or it can be used in a genuine way. And we need to figure out what that looks like for ourselves and our families. Um, The um, idea of empowering someone doesn't mean solving or covering up problems. And that's from healthline.com. Um, and it's so true because you can't cover up what they've done. You can't be embarrassed by what they've done. Part of one of the things my daughter would do was to take it to extremes to try and embarrass me because she felt if she embarrassed me enough, then I would um, try and cover it up so that she could continue on in her addiction and have her shame covered up, my shame covered up, and so on. But I had to be fearless enough to let it be there and say, it is what it is. This is what our life looks like. And she's got to take responsibility for herself. And and it's not a reflection of me. It's a reflection of what she has chosen to do and what she wants to do. Um, I had to really look at my motives in what I was doing because so much of what I do originally it came out of guilt and it was my guilt over my bad parenting, my guilt over I couldn't enjoy things that that I wanted because she didn't get to enjoy anything. And so I should do without. And that's all such a negative way of thinking. I had to realize that I was allowed to go out and buy things for myself. I was allowed to go out and have a good time if she was struggling and and not making ends meet, whatever she was doing, I didn't need to share with her what I was doing, but I was allowed to go out and do it. I needed to find that for myself to become a stronger person. And once I became stronger in that way and more confident in what I was doing and what and knowing when I was enabling and when I was not, then she was less able to manipulate me into saying that I was enabling and is saying this is what she needed and me knowing right or wrong. And I'd become more consistent in the way I dealt with her. And it it started having a good effect in the fact that she'd stop asking me and trying to manipulate me as often. And it became a better cycle of working our way out of it rather than working our way more into it. When I was so deep into enabling, the line would get 
blurred and then disappear. And I didn't know when I was enabling and when I wasn't. And all I knew were my feelings. And I cannot continue the cycle with my feelings. That's the first way to get caught up in enabling. It's the best way to help an addict just keep using. And if I wanted to, to um, be a healthy boundary for her, a place where she knew that she could rely on and do the best that I could do, um, I had to figure it out for myself and not, not think about my feelings. I had to cut those off as far as why I was doing things. I could still empathize with her when she's going through a hard time, but when she's going through a hard time, I couldn't fix it. I had to let her vent and then figure it out. And that was what I needed um, to change in my actions and in my thought process. And um, then it became what what choices uh, was it important to make for her? Um, did she need monthly maintenance? And if I provided that, would that help her use? So I think for me, it started to a point where I had to disconnect. And one of the first things that she needed to learn to do was help her ask for help in a healthy way. And that was totally different from her manipulating and asking for help so that I would enable her. One of the things that um, we went to a rehab where they had a family weekend, and this was such a good illustration for us. So what they did is they had done this exercise with the addicts before um, we got there, all the family members got there. And then the addicts sat back and watched their family members do this exercise. And they took us out into the woods and they had these ropes strung up among all the trees. And they blindfolded all the family members and then put us inside the ropes. And when um, then they would tell us, okay, now it was up to us to find our way out. So you go through this maze and you keep trying to feel your way through, but you can't find a way out. As it turned out, my husband was the very last one to get out of there and he needed a little prodding and help from the audience in order to do it. We came to find out my daughter was the very last one of the addicts to find her way out. And I don't know what help she needed or anything like that to figure it out. But the way you found your way out of the maze was to pull one of the people who worked there aside and ask them for help. And that was something my husband had so much trouble doing and my daughter had so much trouble doing. And it was interesting to see how it ran in our family and how we needed to think about things. I think it might have been eye-opening for my daughter. She she, I think she was really struck by that. And I know it's something that stuck with me for a long time. And it is this idea, yes, they need to ask for help, but in such a healthy way. When, when she got to rock bottom, and she'd been at rock bottom a number of times, and then she'd relapse and go back again. And this last time, she, we all knew that she was months away from dying. She had sores everywhere. She had lost so much weight. 
she was a skeleton and she did not have much longer. But she finally asked us for help and we laid out the ways we were willing to help her. And one of those was we would bring her home to a different state than she was in at that time and tell her that she could not, in the beginning, I had to be with her 24 hours a day. It meant either me taking her to my job or me taking time off work. But one way or the other, she had to be with me until we saw that she was able to start doing it on her own. And her being with me was not me doing anything for her. It was just me first um, watching her detox, watching her start to get clean, and then requiring her to take steps every day, clean her room, and then start start um, doing something in a productive way. My job actually allowed me to bring her to work and give her a job there. So she would come to work with me some of the time. And then and days that she didn't come to work with me, she would stay home with my husband who would work from home on those days. We had to figure out what it was that we needed to do and what we needed to change. And it was different for my husband than it was for me. He did enabling differently. He looked at things differently than I did, and he had to figure it out for himself as well. One of the things my daughter would do is play one of us off of each other. So when I would get to my wit's end, she'd go to my husband and say, look, mom's just not getting it. Uh, This is the reality of the situation. She's not seeing it clearly, and please help me explain it to her so that she gets she can understand it from from the realistic viewpoint, which which I'm trying to explain to her. And he would come to me and and believe her and and explain it in that way, and he'd convince me many times. And then we'd end up seeing how it was all manipulation, and she used it in order for her to go back and use again. And we would do this vice versa. I would do the same thing until we finally got on the same page, and we said no decisions are being made until we're both on the same page, we step back, we take a day, and we look at what she's asking for. Is this enabling? And yes, she's so good at her explanations and explaining why it's such an important thing. But uh, when we look at the whole thing all the way around, can she use this to her advantage so she can go out and use again? And it, we did the best we could. Sometimes it ended up well, sometimes not. But that's how we had to start looking at it, things. And, and from that point on, I also had to look at every single thing that I, I did and reflect back and say, no matter what my intention was at the time, did it end up being enabling? Did she use this as an opportunity for her to use? And if the answer is yes, then I had to say, what could I do differently next time? How do I change things so that I can do it better next time? And... So each time I would learn a little bit more, but this has been my journey. I'm still learning and I'm still trying to get better at it. Um, I hope that it helps you in how you're able to figure things out in your situation. Everyone is different. And so again, we'll keep on this journey and keep trying and I'll talk to you in two weeks. If you found this helpful, please leave a review to help others find it. You can find me on Twitter at Chelsea's Jungle. And if you want to leave comments or questions, that's a good place to do it. Thanks. Talk to you soon. 
Music is Riding the Dragon by Movie Theater.